Viktor Frankl said, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Stay tuned for the next hour as Sue explores the human psyche, what makes us tick and how to live better, more fulfilled and more meaningful lives. Only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and it's really good to be back in the studio. And I wish you all peace, safety, meaningful connections, and wonderful moments in 2020, and of course in our new decade. And may we all work towards peace and harmony within ourselves, our country, and indeed the whole world. My guest today is Gavin Harris, and our, our topic is A Winning Way. Welcome, Gavin. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Let me just introduce Gavin to you. Gavin is a logotherapist. He is a jiu-jitsu trainer. He has his own dojo in Highlands North. He uh, is a personal trainer. He's a, a sports performance trainer, with an exercise teacher at the teach. What's it called? Exercise, exercise Academy. Academy, the ETA. Yeah. And he also has done the intermediate life support medic. That's what he is, yeah, which is med. ILL. ILS. ILS. ILS yeah. And it's, well, you did it through Hatsola. I did it through Hatsola, yeah. And that led you towards logotherapy, didn't it? That's right. That led me straight to the logotherapy uh, path. Um, I, I just found that um, working with people in the back of the ambulance, uh, there's a bright light in your face. You don't know whether it's day or night. You don't know what's going on. You're facing the wrong way. I'm talking about the patient. And um, no matter what they're going through, whether it's a stubbed toe or something else, if they're still conscious, you need to speak to their heart. You need to speak to their soul and, um, it and, was, connect, and with connect with them. It wasn't just enough to put up drips and just be a cold, wooden, robotic medic. Uh, what made the difference was making the person laugh, lifting them up out of the situation a little bit, as much as you could. You, you won't believe what a little laugh does. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, didn't Viktor Frankl say humor is a weapon of the soul? Oh, that's beautiful. And you yeah. know what, Gavin? I mean, you and I were talking just now before the program, and you had me laughing right the way through. <laughs> so I think you use humor. <laughs> humor is my use... main weapon. <laughs> yeah. The more nervous I get, the more humorous I become. So, so watch out. <laughs> okay, so we're going to have a humorous program. I'll, I'll see what I can do. Now, just tell me about your, your journey to Towards jiu-jitsu. So the, my journey towards jiu-jitsu, you could break it down into three parts really. It started off with judo. Now judo and jiu-jitsu are completely connected. They're like brothers. Just tell me a bit about jiu-jitsu. Okay, so the jiu-jitsu that started was I was a, a South African champion judoka and me and my friends who were training every morning, we'd all trained with the same world champion in, in England in Coventry. And uh, we decided that we were going to spend some time with Mark Robinson, who's an amazing uh, submission wrestler, probably one of the strongest men in the world. And he, was, he had just come back from a world championship submission wrestling um, competition, and he won. He won the world championship, mm -hmm. and he had been training with a guy named Ricardo Mergel. In jiu-jitsu, when you have your black belt or beyond, you're called professor, so he's known as Professor Mergel. Uh, this guy... Was had come to South Africa because uh, Mark Robinson was involved in the very, very first uh, MMA competitions that uh, were now very, very popular in, uh, here in South Africa. But at the time, it was only just starting. 
Uh, they didn't even have cages yet. Guys used to fight in rings and everything like that. And Ricardo, uh, Professor Mergel, uh, Ricardo Mergel came here with him, with his team, union grappling team. And me and my friends, we decided we were going to go there and see what they could show us on the ground. Because judo is standing fighting where you throw the person and then you fight on the ground as well. But jiu-jitsu is like... Um, judo on steroids when it comes to ground fighting it's it's like absolutely phenomenal and we wanted to get a better idea of it so we went to um mark robinson he had a little dojo at the rima church actually and uh we we got working and we met um ricardo mergel and he was just like an he was like a jedi master he was absolutely amazing and i i, I fell in love with the guy straight away and, I, and when he saw that we had our black belts in judo he, he loved us he said he's also got a black belt in judo and the jiu-jitsu that he does is is very old, old judo. It's the same. It comes from the same place. And he was showing us stuff. He wasn't at all uh, critical of the stuff we did. He he was like, yeah, show me that. And this is a master talking. So he wasn't arrogant. He wasn't arrogant at all. And basically, that was the beginning of me falling in love with jiu-jitsu. From there, I, I, f- my, I found my way through. I, I started at a club in Bruma. They had a club downstairs next to the lake there. Anyone mm. who was late with their fees, they used to throw them into the lake. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then from there, I, I've, I've been very fortunate. I've, I've had a lot of very good training partners. I, I trained um, under David Aguillon. He's a Brazilian guy that came here. I'm, at the moment, my mentor in jiu-jitsu, you could say, is uh, Sean Bloomberg. He's a black belt. He's excellent. And Brett Evans, he's another black belt. He also uh, coaches me. And uh, I also train at Gracie Baja as well, and I use what I learned there to convey my message in jiu-jitsu at my own dojo. So that that's, was it, that started in about 2011, and my whole career started in 1981. So it took wow. from then to 2011 to actually step into jiu-jitsu properly. So it's very disciplined. I see that the jiu-jitsu can be translated, the jiu part, yes. is, uh, means gentle, soft, supple, flexible, pliable, or yielding. That's right. And the jiu-jitsu part can be uh, art or technique, and it rep- represents manipulating the opponent's force yes. against themselves rather than confronting it with right. one's own force. Yes, so, so it's very different to other martial arts yeah. in that way. So the, the concept of, of Jew, as you, as you mentioned, is um, very, very misunderstood in, in general terms. And uh, people, there, there's always a translation problem when you're coming from the East to the West, especially when it comes to scholars, because they don't do the discipline that they actually talk a lot about. Oh. So um, when people speak about Jew meaning gentle or, or soft, it can be uh, misconstrued as being uh, somehow weak uh, yes. and not uh, not an effective fighting system type of thing. Mm-hmm. Many people battle with that, but I can tell you that judo is the second hardest sport in the world, uh, second to cross-country skiing, and jiu-jitsu, judo, jiu-jitsu, it's the same thing, um, that is, is very intense and very difficult. So the judo part, the best way to uh, translate that would be would be yielding, but yielding only in so far as as uh, turning the other person's energy against towards them. And I mean, if you the way that uh, Sensei Kano, who was the originator of judo and was already a jujitsu guy before he started judo, he said that if he has the energy of one and his opponent has the energy of twelve, the energy of twelve comes towards the energy of one and they merge. And now he takes on the energy of thirteen. Thereby overcoming an energy of zero, which mm. is and and you this is it sounds 
you know, a little bit philosophical, but it's not. When you are on the mat and you, you what we call rolling, moving around with another person and fighting on the ground, grappling, or standing and trying to throw them, you, um, you, you use that concept very practically. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. This is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. If you would like to contact us, I'd really like to hear from you. You can SMS us on 34519 or you can telegram us on 061-895-1019. My guest today is Gavin Harris and our topic is A Winning Way. Gavin is a logotherapist and he's a jiu-jitsu, um, a jiu-jitsuka. A, a jiu-jitsuka. That's what they call <laughs> okay. it. Okay. Yeah. And he has his own dojo in Highlands North and a very interesting journey towards that, which we'll be, we will be discussing as well. And, um, going back to you and your judo and jiu-jitsu. So you, you, from judo, you took what you wanted and then you went yes. into jiu-jitsu. Yes, exactly. That was the beginning of my, my journey into jiu-jitsu. What was what was very difficult, and this is very interesting because logotherapy comes into this, is that f- because of my I was because I was um, so intensely competitive in my judo, I lost my way in many ways. I, I became completely um, overwhelmed by the need to win all the time. And when I came to jiu-jitsu, because it's so connected to the old judo and the old uh, methodology of of that pliability that we were talking about. And, and less uh, um, like wrestling, which is what uh, judo is like now. It, I, I was always working against myself because I was completely explosive and moving in fast, and I, I lost. Compulsive. I lost it. I lost my sense of uh, how to fight these jujitsuka who were moving slowly and methodically, just moving circles around me like anacondas, and I, I couldn't. It forced me to slow down, mm. and the slowing down. As you say, uh, the, uh, the way of winning—that way, the, if you uh, the, way, the word for way is do. I, I, I began to learn true judo through jiu-jitsu, mm. slowly but surely, dropping more and more of my old judo style. Until now, I can actually say that I'm a jiu-jitsuka. And Gavin, what did you learn about yourself on that journey? That's a good question. Well. I, um, there's a philosophy in uh, Aikido, which is also connected. They're all connected. That's something important to understand. In Aikido, there's a saying that says, true victory is self-victory. For me, in the beginning, true victory was about uh, everybody patting me on the back for winning, getting a gold medal, and being obsessed with the next competition and never being satisfied with the last one, no matter how well I did. Um, my, I, w- I would say that in one sentence, the transformation that's occurred in me um, through coming th- into jiu-jitsu would be learning what it, what true victory means. It means self-victory. And that's the, the absolute concept that should be and definitely in my dojo is um, yeah, pushed. That, that, that it's not about um, beating the other guy and, and being scared to lose and all of that. It's about movement. And it's about becoming the best person you can become. That's absolutely true. You'll, you'll be amazed at how you feel inside and how you move on the outside are, are absolutely connected. Is that so? If you come into a jiu-jitsu um, training situation and you're completely jitted out and tense, you, you'll roll in that same way. You'll, you'll move in exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. But if you come in relaxed, not, con- not concerned with the outcome, but concerned with the process that's going on, 
then you just have a blast. You, you lose yourself completely. It's, uh, there's a lot of fun in it as well then. Absolute fun. You know, um, I, I read this um, about energy. I don't even know who, who quoted it, but it's a, it is a quote. Do not adapt to the energy in the room. Rather influence the energy in the room. I, I like that. I like that. But I would go one step further than that. Um, someone that I, I really, really enjoy reading his books and I, I really look up to this author. He's not alive anymore. was Jogyam Trungpa um, Rinpoche. He was a, a lama. Mm-hmm. And he spoke a lot about dancing on the energy that's given to you. So instead of trying, this is the Jew concept coming through that we're speaking about now, that instead of trying to control and uh, make that energy work for you that you're surrounded by, but instead of that, you dance on it. You move with it. This in, and the, what a wonderful concept! The, the way that they, the metaphor that they use in that particular style of Buddhism, is uh, dancing on the tail of a tiger. <laughs> that's the way to I stay have, safe. I've heard that. Yes. And amazingly, huh. when just like a, a few weeks after I read that in the book, there was an article in the paper with this little seal, and the, I, I didn't know this, but there was a picture of a seal on the tail of a great white shark, <laughs> and um, the way that the seal was surviving. Was by staying on the tail of the great. That's oh. how they survive. They survive like that. They, wow. they swim on the tail. So that swimming on the tail, the shark is the energy, and the seal is you. And uh, if you try and control the great white shark, it will consume you. And the same thing in jujitsu. If you try and force and control the situation, you just get swallowed up as if you were standing in front of a giant vacuum cleaner. So you've actually got to flow with it. You've got to yes. find the correct area to flow, flow, and then flow with it. Yes. And I should imagine teaching children that is is hard, but it's something they so need to to know. And you know what? I've seen it so often in children today that they they start something and then they don't follow it through. And um, it's you know I think it's quite sad that they don't actually learn that they don't, as you say, they don't have to be the best. They don't have to win everything, exactly. but yeah. just be in it. Uh, you know, Carl Jung said, I'm not what happened to me. I am what I choose to become. Absolutely. And I think if that's something we could teach our children yes. and ourselves, yeah. it's it's not about competition. In this world of, of com- competition, you see it on the soccer fields, on the tennis courts, yes. everywhere. And I was a child like that. I mean, the my coach used to, you know, fill me up with lots of good energy when I was winning, and when I wasn't winning, he wasn't. It wasn't the same anymore, and all of that. And I became, I started to relate that dopamine drop that I would get from being patted on the back. You know, that 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 became everything for me. I know what it's like to be one of those children. Uh, that's why when children come and train with me, I, the first thing I tell them it's not a. It doesn't matter win or lose. What matters is that you are able to move as well as you can move and that you that you feel happy as if you're playing at the end of the day the best learning happens through play it's wonderful what yeah. a wonderful concept tell me about you yourself at school were you bullied did you go through any bullying episodes yeah i definitely went through um the f- the very very first memory that i have of being bullied was quite intense um, in nursery school, I don't know why this kid used to do this, but he used to just walk up to me at break and start strangling me. Strangely enough, I've now become a master of strangling. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting how things turn out. You need to meet up with him again. And the truth is that if I did, I would sit and have coffee and just, uh, there would be no need. I've transcended that need. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I remember staying by the door at, at the break 
when they rang that little bell and I wouldn't go and play with the other Aww. kids because I was scared of the pain. I remember the pain of my trachea being pushed back. And the fear, and, I'm and sure. And the absolute fear and he was taller than me and so one day this funny thing happened. I had not started learning judo yet so I didn't know how to throw but I remember people chasing me and I, I threw the one. I don't know, it must have been borrowing skills from the future somehow. I just threw him for a shoulder throw and um uh, it worked. But that was the, my first experience of bullying, and I, I don't know if I, I – it still stays with me. I'm still scared of that little kid. And then mm. my ne- the next aspect of being bullied came from um, – it's not it, – I didn't start judo because I was being bullied. I became bullied because I did judo. That's actually what happened. Mm. And the reason why that happened was because people saw this little guy. I was, I'm still tiny, so you can imagine a young me. I was even – I was like 19 kilos. In standard five, no, I'm joking. <laughs> and uh, um, kids would want to test me. They, they knew that I was a South African champion in judo, and I would get uh, challenged a lot by much older kids. Um, and, and sometimes I would win, and sometimes I would lose, and it was horrible because I, I wanted to be happy about being a judo champion, but that forced me into fights. And then I just started fighting with kids, and I myself became a bully. Mm. And so I, I know the equation from both sides. And that, so the bully uh, the, the, became the bullier. Yeah, that can happen. Mm, of course and, it can. And I mean, the truth is that people think of bullying not so much now because it's more um, people are talking about it more, that it happens at school. But it doesn't just happen at school. It happens all the time. And what I've learned now is that a bully that stands up in front of you is is teaching you, is your teacher. He's teaching you something about you that you need to learn. And in turn, he's learning something about himself. And if you can take the the horribleness out of it and try put it into a in new context to the situation, then you can start uh, dismantling the stereotype situation. We have to stop the bully. We have to protect the bullied. If we can change things like that, instead of teaching a little kid how to fight and then he starts beating everybody else up more out of fear than anything, uh, that's not a good way. The best way is to see the bully as a, a human being and 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 communicate communicate that to him. Um, Viktor Frankl is very often quoting Guter, saying that when you see the absolute potential in someone else, you draw that out of them. You almost force them to act as their best self because you see that. And uh, that's exactly the concept that I try and teach uh, anyone that's being bullied, whether they be an adult or a. That's a, a wonderful I mean, concept. Yeah. So do you get many children come into your do- dojo that have been bullied? I mean, there's a lot of bullying on social media now yeah. as well. Yeah, I, d- I definitely do. We'll get back to that in a moment. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson. My guest today is Gavin Harris, and we're talking about a winning way. Gavin is a logotherapist. He has his own dojo, a jiu-jitsu dojo in Highlands North. He has many other qualifications as well. We'll give you details at the end of the program. We're At the moment, we are talking about bullying, and um, and Gavin was saying how a bully often becomes the bullier and how he copes with that in his own dojo. Yeah. Just let's go back to that because one of the Sigmund Freud says, out of your vulnerabilities will come your strengths. Absolutely. So I should imagine being a logotherapist, this is one of the things that you try to bring across to the children. You see, yeah, it's exactly like that. That's, that's And adults, I should and imagine. And adults. 
the most amazing thing is that what you just said about from Sigmund Freud over there, it's exactly what uh, Sensei Kano, who founded Judo, said, that the, the vulnerability, in other words, my level is a 1, and your yours is a 12, so I'm vulnerable. Instead of being a number 1 fighting against that 12 level, uh, you, you allow that vulnerability and you take that energy to yourself. That's exactly what he's saying there, that you, from your vulnerability and your openness to receive that attack, you're able to turn the attack on its head. So you say teaching kids and stuff like that is very, it's, it's easy to teach kids that actually. And you know how you do that. You can't tell a child that. You have to make the lesson come from inside out. You can't throw the lesson at the child's head like a ping pong ball and it bounces off the side. You have to, you have to, um, draw it from inside out like a woodpecker knocking on a tree, bro- drawing out bugs. I like that it's analogy. exactly like that. Mm-hmm. So wh- how do you do that? The first thing that you do is you play games and you draw a child into a sense of, of openness and a sense of, um, fun, fun where there's no losing and no, and no, uh, uh, no winning and no losing. Although there is win and lose in games, but it's the, the life's not, they're not on the line kind of thing because of that. And then from the game comes confidence because they start to uh, connect with other children and connectedness and confidence. The connectedness comes from being in the team and the confidence comes from winning, losing a little bit over here, trying to get it again and seeing that the techniques and the skills that, they, that, that I'm giving them actually work. That they, and they now own something. They now have a sense of autonomy. So it must be very rewarding for you seeing a child who comes in as a bullied child or a sad, lonely child, whatever the child might be, a lost child for a while, which I think we all go through in our childhood, um, actually beginning to blossom and to, to step into their own light. It's an amazing feeling. I was telling my wife, whose late father was a farmer, I was telling her that training people is like farming. You've got to become... Between the farmer and the farm, it's like a figure of eight. They become one energy moving back and forward, one to the other. There's an organic connection between one and the other. When I train someone, that's exactly the connection that I feel with that person. If if there's a, a correct uh, symbiosis between me and the person, um, and with a child it's the same. You beca- you start to move with back and forward with each other. And there's, there's a certain type of, um, psychological osmosis that goes on. And even tactile osmosis. You, 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 you are conveying your energy into them and they convey their energy into you. And you start to see them start flourishing and growing exactly like plants mm. or millies or whatever it is mm-hmm. on a farm. It's, it's like being a farmer. And when you stand back at the end of your, at, at the end of the whole thing, you see these little amazing plants just Blossoming. Like, as you spoke about sunflowers earlier, like a little sunflower facing the sun. And the, the play between the sun and the sunflower, that's the meaning. Mm, that's that's, that's the meaning. And to see that and to be the person that catalyzed that, there's nothing. That, that's my, that's why I'm here. That's beautiful. What, uh, Gavin mentioned the sunflowers. We actually were talking about it before I was talking about a, a book. Um, so it wasn't on air. But Gavin, tell me, I know that you also work, I think, in a, in another area that you help people in, in logotherapy as well. That's right. Uh, in an addiction, is it? Center a, at the foundation clinic. Tell me uh, about that. So the, the strangest thing is that life brought me to a place where I started a dojo and across the road, across the river, there's literally a river between us is this uh, rehabilitation, drug rehabilitation center. And, um, I, I was just, uh, 
beginning my last project in logotherapy after three years. And it was all about finding meaning through uh, martial arts. That was the idea. And I had to still develop it. So I approached them and I, I began this amazing journey into that. And I found that through movement, uh, metaphor and martial arts, I was able to create a, a brand new way of exploring uh, logotherapy and drawing out meaning in these people that are suffering uh, with a demon-like addiction. And it's been more than a year already. I'm loving working at the center. I'm, I'm completely in there now, and it's called Logo Jitsu. That's the name of mm. my my whole um, my new thing, my new Wonderful. contribution to logotherapy mm. is Logo Jitsu. And, and are you getting good results? Um, I'm, I'm not. And the, during my session, they say it, they never hear laughing like they do during my oh, session. Fantastic. The moment you take a person and you put them into a moving, you teach them a movement, um, they, they begin to laugh, they begin to drop barriers that they hold before. The moment you can get someone moving, it's amazing what comes from that. And then from the movement, you use the movement as a, a concrete platform to explore more abstract ideas and the insights that bounce off by the end of the session are, are phenomenal. People love my sessions there and I love being there. That is fantastic. So rewarding. Absolutely. You know, I was reading a thing about benefits of uh, martial arts, all mar most martial arts on uh, the different benefits. And I was very interested to, to read one of the ones which was uh, done on people between the ages of 65 and 93. Yes. It was a, a study that they were d doing on them and it was a, a group who were put aside who weren't doing any exercise. They were just yes. doing normal exercise. Others who were doing martial arts, right. different types <coughs> of martial arts. Yes. And it was quite phenomenal what they actually found that the people who had been doing martial arts within six weeks. Yes. Their memories improved, their depression improved, their their sense of sociability improved, and their sense of self. Absolutely. That, that is so true. So their self-esteem improved. Once their self-esteem improved, they were able to reach out where they had been lonely before. They started reaching out to find other things that they could be involved in in their lives. That's right. Uh, with, with movement, especially with martial arts, you, it's not just like walking on a treadmill. Walking on a treadmill is, uh, it's enjoyable and it's nice to walk or walking outside and that. But when you're involved in a martial art, the first thing that comes in is that you're learning movements, specific movements, which require your brain to work in a specific, though non-verbal way. That non-verbal way of moving is very, very deeply embedded in the brain, in the limbic area of the brain. So it go, it speaks directly to a very deep part of your, of your, um, of your psyche and, just your brain, your physical mm. brain. Mm. And uh, it forces new synapses to start uh, developing through the movement because you, you're now learning new movement sequences. And those movement sequences are connected to other patterns of movement. So now you have a whole network of new movements connecting. And the thing is that if an aspect of the brain is malfunctioning in some way, through movement it's possible to have some kind of a, a neuroplasticity situation develop, which is something that Moshe Feldenkrais was uh, working on in the Feldenkrais method. It's something that I draw on a lot. And he was a jiu-jitsu guy as well. What, what is his method? Uh, his method is a method called the Feldenkrais method. Yeah. And uh, basically it was about, he started, it started off with him starting judo. And he was a friend of Jigoro Kano sensei, the one who founded judo. He was the first person to bring judo into France, and through judo, he developed a system of moving which 
when you look at it, 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 it bears a resemblance to a Pilates kind of thing, but it's completely not like that. Um, it's based on one thing. It's based on the fact that one can gain maximum result from minimal strain or effort. And uh, that comes directly from judo. And um, he found, and people now, he's not alive anymore, of course, but people still uh, teach and develop his system, that um, he was talking about neuroplasticity way, way, way before it, it became, it became in vogue. Yeah, mm-hmm. And I, I, I found that with myself, and I have found that with um, people that I train. And I, and I train people that are older than 80s, and it has an absolute effect. Mm-hmm. Um one of my patient, one of my clients was stumbling all the time. He, he kept stumbling. He's over 80. And I was working with him on a sequence of, uh, Filipino stick fighting moves. And, um, I, I'm telling you that from the footwork and the movements with the sticks, it took about not even long. Neuroplasticity can happen in minutes. Um, he was uh, he wasn't stumbling forward during other exercises that he used to stumble. Forward. So his balance was his balance getting back. Yes, and his and his happiness his happiness levels. I'm sure his self esteem again. Self esteem. Mm. You, you start remembering your body remembers what it was like to be a kid jumping around in the garden, climbing over the wall, driving your mother crazy, <laughs> running in the rain, running in the oh, rain. Oh, I still love singing that. in the rain. Absolutely. <laughs> you know when my uh, little grandchild is here from Israel and if it rains. The last time it rained, we hadn't had rain for quite a long time, and I took her out there, and she just stood with her arms wide open. I've mentioned this on radio before, with her arms wide open, yeah. just feeling the rain. Absolutely. And I thought to myself, we forget those those those, those free, That's wonderful, experiential moments. moments in our lives. Definitely, definitely. Now, if you look back on your life, do you see a major change in yourself from that little boy who was bullied at nursery school and then became a bully to the person you are today, which is a, a very self-assured, confident person who has so much to, to share and give to the world? Yeah, there's been an absolute transformation. I mean, it's, it's the growth. The growth of it's the, it's how you're supposed to go, I suppose. I mean, I, many times I sit and I think about how afraid, I, how much fear I just walked around with, how much uh, uncertainty I walked around with, and how I would push that away through aggression. That was my way of dealing with that, using aggression to push away the fear. And, um, and that's one way. The other way is to be crippled by it, or you be know, crippled and by just it, yeah. to retreat into nothingness yeah. almost. So uh, th- th- it's not a nice existence, that, because you just become this, this live wire all the time. No one can go near that. Mm. Then through this and being connected to my absolute meaning, which is jujitsu and logotherapy, I, I realized that um, I, I can... Uh, how nice it is to be nice <laughs> how <laughs> nice it is to be connected to people to talk and mm-hmm. when uh, things always there's always moments of things um spiraling into um, into crazy moments but that becomes the energy that you can dance on and that's mm-hmm. exactly that vulnerability that you were talking about Carl earlier Jung. when mm-hmm. you allow it i think Brene brown uh, also yeah definitely. she speaks a lot about that so being vulnerable is actually being strong. Mm. That's been the transformation from then till now. That's what I've learned. And that's and do, that's the Jew. That's the Jew part. And that takes huge courage because, I mean, I know that even at my age, and I'm a lot older than you, there are times when I feel inadequate. Absolutely. And I think, you know, those are the times that you've got to work on yourself and yes. say, 
what's making me feel, what's being pushed here, you yes, know, what memory is being pushed, yes. what is actually happening, why right. am I feeling this way? Yeah. And uh, I, I read you this little story, just let me read it quickly. It says, a wise old man was talking to a boy and he said, there are two wolves always fighting inside me. One is filled with anger, hate, jealousy, shame and lies. <coughs> the other wolf is filled with love, joy, truth and peace. This battle rages inside of you and in all men. The boy thought for a moment and he said, Which wolf will win? And the old man answered, The one you feed. That's beautiful. I really do like that and agree with that idea of feeding particular energies and that. But I'd like to share a cute story that happened when I was at my mom-in-law's farm on my holiday. We were talking to my brother-in-law about uh, this rooster who still hasn't quite worked out exactly when the sun comes up. So he gets up <laughs> at about 2.30 and he wakes everybody up. <laughs> and I was, I was having dreams of strangling him. Um, he, he, they told us that that rooster used to go into his kitchen and he saw his reflection in the in, in the oven or, or the stove or some glass in the, door. in the doorway there. And he would fight. He fought with his reflection. He thought it was another rooster, and they were. He was fighting with him. It was, uh, and then the, he'd walk away. Then he'd turn around again and look just to see if, that, if his <laughs> reflection was following him. So why, why what you mentioned with the two wolves brought that idea to my mind is that the truth is that there's not two wolves inside you. There's actually one wolf inside you, trying to deal with two aspects of itself, mm-hmm. um, which, in the beginning, they seem like two squares. Then, it, then when you bring them together, it's like a triangle. And eventually it becomes like a circle. That's, that's how you could probably describe my journey. The square, the triangle, and the circle. Those three shapes, which is a, a concept from Aikido. That's what they, that's how they use those shapes. And that's exactly that concept with these two things raging inside you. You're feeding the one. You're feeding the other one. If you feed the good one, then you just entice the bad one to fight with the good one. If you feed the bad one, you entice the good one to fight. You've got this constant conflict going on inside you. But when you step back and you realize, as it might sound quite Buddhist, but that there's actually no wolf. There was no wolf to start with. No, exactly. Or maybe there's one wolf. Then you see it in a completely different way. And I think so often it's so true what you say because we fear fear. Absolutely. And we don't know where the fear is coming from. And it's yes. very deep inside us. And, exactly. and it is us. It's us. It's coming from us. It's us. So when you talk about the, the triangle, the circle, what what is the aim? To work towards the circle or to actually marry all three together? Um, the square? The, the way that you see it is like this. There's the, the, the beginning of two energies coming towards each other is like a square. It's angular. It's square. They're facing each other in an odd way. That square is not a not a particularly happy little shape. It's a square shape. It's got four corners, six corners if you look at a cube. It's it's an uncomfortable shape. In martial arts, that would be the moment of standing in front of each other, or in jujitsu when you face each other on your knees and you're about to start rolling. When you come together and there's a contact between the two of you, um, and I'll come, I'll explain how this works psychologically afterwards. That, that contact between the two of you represents a triangle where all of a sudden two corners of the square disappear and two aspects of it meet. There's a meeting mm-hmm. of energies, but there's still conflict going on. When you, that's when you take your grip and you're moving around each other. But when the, when the flow begins to happen, a moment that I, can't, I don't know how to explain that moment. It's not, it's not a verbal. You can't use words to explain that moment, but it's a moment of 
incredible, uh, I just, let's say, flow for argument's sake. When that starts to happen, you and the other person be, literally become like one. It sounds a bit cliche, but you really do. Uh, one energy moving mm. around and mm. That's it. So then, when, psychologically, how that? I mean, you face. You think you've got these two wolves inside you, and they're fighting each other all the time, good and bad. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter if it's good or bad. The, the conflict is going on. Um, then you start to ponder what's going on inside me. That's a triangle. At the end of the day, when you realize that it's been me all along fighting with my reflection, or maybe I am the reflection, then that's the circle. Mm, so and that's that's actually. That's amazing to think about that. Just tell me, you, how many children do you have, Gavin? I have four children. Four children. And bringing your children up, do you, do you bring them up in a way that you feel would bring out the best in them? I should imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Knowing I mean, you that you do. Yeah. And has logo therapy helped with that? It absolutely, definitely has helped with that. The thing about logo therapy is that you, you can approach it uh, in a very wooden way and just try and use the concept or in a more open kind of way. We'll get back to that. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson. My guest today is Gavin Harris, and we're about to listen to a YouTube by Brazilian um, Kia Terra, okay. an eight-time jiu-jitsu world champion and actually someone that um, Gavin really admires and I certainly admire what he had to say. I hope you enjoy the YouTube. I really like to tell this story to people because I think it kind of motivates them to to keep their training, you know. Um, when I first started in jiu-jitsu, I was a teenager I was kind of old to start, you know, for the new generation of competitors, but I was getting bullied at school and my mother, you know, she always felt bad that I would come home hurt and she put me in jiu-jitsu to learn how to defend myself. I started doing jiu-jitsu and I really didn't like to train because every day was like I was being abused again. You know, every day I would just go there and get beat up. I wasn't a good student because I didn't want to be there. My mother told me, we're taking you out. I thought about it and I told my mother, you know, I don't want to leave. I want to try it again. When I first started wanting to train, of course, I started getting better, you know, because when you want something, you look to improve. And I started getting better and better and I started wanting to compete. And my goals into competition was just to beat up people. And this was very wrong, you know. I couldn't just improve by beating people up. I have this message because I know that a lot of people quit through uh, their blue belt, you know. It's not how good your jiu-jitsu is, but how good jiu-jitsu is for you. And a lot of the times, people can't see that. They get so worried about getting better in jiu-jitsu that... They don't, they don't become the person that they should be. And they're not, never going to evolve as a martial artist. The biggest lesson in my whole life was from my instructor. When I was a brown belt and I was able to win, to win the World Cup, which back then was the biggest tournament for me, I didn't get promoted. 
And I was so mad because I thought that I could be a black belt and I thought I could compete at that level. And a couple of months passed and my jiu-jitsu was just not there anymore. I didn't want to compete. I didn't want to train. And my instructor said, okay, that now that you're not training, why not prove yourself? Go one way higher against the world champion and test yourself. And I'm like, I'm not training. Why should I do that? And he said, because you need to test yourself. Go ahead and do it. So he registered myself and he made me do it. My instructor brought everyone up into that tournament because he was very confident that I was going to lose. And he wanted everyone to see that I could lose too. At the podium, he says, you see, you don't train jiu-jitsu, you can even tie your belt. And I said, my belt is tied correctly. Uh, what is it wrong with my belt? I'm sorry. So he said, you have to posture up and I'm gonna do the knot. But at the gym, I'll explain to you how. So he does the knot, and he said, okay, now you can look down again. When I looked down, there was a black belt on my waist. And I was in the second place, and I really didn't want to get a black belt when I lost, you know? Because I won everything. And when I finally lost, it was when he promoted me. And I asked him, why? Would you promote me when I lost? You know, I had all these happy days and you dismotivated me to, to, to train, to then promote me when I lost. And he said, Caio, I never trained you to be a champion. You were a champion because you dedicated yourself to it. I trained you to change people's life like, like jiu-jitsu changed yours. I am promoting you to black belt because your jiu-jitsu uh, has helped so many people at the gym. It's time for you to change people too. And if I promoted you in one of the days that you won, you would just think that you're getting promoted because you're a champion. And I wanted you to see that I'm promoting you because it's time now for you to be a teacher. If you're going to be a champion one day, great. You have to pass the right message to others. At first I thought Jiu-Jitsu was just about defending myself. Then I realized Jiu-Jitsu is so much more. It's not the medals, the tournaments you can win. Jiu-Jitsu has not just made me a better person, but a better friend, a better father. And I know that Jiu-Jitsu can do the same for you. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson. My guest today is Gavin Harris. And um, Gavin is tearful after that uh, YouTube, and so am I. What a an amazing man yeah. Kai is Absolutely yeah. And I know he's one of your heroes yes, you said because he, we weigh the same He's 57 kilos and so am I <laughs> <laughs> He's a champion of the lightweight Wow Of the very lightweight uh, Amazing yes. eh? What an amazing message Absolutely It's so similar to Very similar to uh, most of our journeys That we make through this 
we, we, we all go through similar things, but the way he put it, I don't even know if I can even say anything about that. Funny enough, it's almost what you have been saying yeah, throughout this program, which that. when I chose this YouTube, I never knew what you would be saying, you That's know, so it's quite amazing. This message has come through from Judy in Aust- Australia. Such an interesting program, Sue. Thank you. Gavin is delightful, articulate, humble, and insightful. If I were a few years younger and living in Johannesburg, I'd sign up immediately. Go, Jude. Go and find a jiu-jitsu place there. That's nice. It is nice. Hey, thank you, Jude. Um, Gavin, just tell me, what, what are your plans for the future? My plans for the future uh, in terms of jiu-jitsu are just to keep training, uh, enjoying my movement, enjoying learning more, improving my skills, and imparting what I learn to people that are lower grades than me. That's just in terms of jiu-jitsu. I would also like to grade further as I go along, but that's not the main thing. Um, my, my biggest goal, my absolute biggest goal is to find people, find little Gavins that are going through the same kind of things I went through and reach out to them and just just give them a light that I didn't have, uh, took a long time to find. And uh, the, especially the guys at the foundation clinic, those guys touch my soul every week, now, every time I go there. Um, they're my teachers and they're my, my goal with jiu-jitsu is to convey the beauty, love, and and happiness that I've got through jiu-jitsu to them. I want to give like a candle, a little flame. I want to light other flames. And let them go on lighting them. Yes. And, um, and you know, I think you will do that. I think quite a few people are going to be asking for your, your number. How can they get hold of you? What's your dojo called? My, my dojo is called uh, SRK Fitness and Combat. Uh, we're in Just the pro- say that slowly. SRK Fitness and Combat. SRK stands for Shin Rukai, which is basically the Dragon School. It's a very cool name, but I just shortened it to SRK because it's a bit of a, it's a bit rich. And um, the the dojo is at number one Woodyatt uh, Street in Highlands North Extension, and um, they can contact me on 0827390505. 0827390505. Oh eight two seven three nine oh five oh five oh five oh five. Yes. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on one hundred one point nine High FM. Hello, it's Sue Jackson. I'm with Gavin Harris, and we've spent a lovely almost hour talking about jiu-jitsu and logotherapy and his journey into it. It's been very fascinating. Thank you so much, Gavin. Uh, you know, there is a, a quote that I would like to say. Rudolf Freitas, I think, said it. Never do for a child what he can do for himself. A dependent child is a demanding child. Children become irresponsible only when we fail to give them opportunities to take on responsibility. So I'm hoping that, especially as parents um, go into... Uh, signing children up for new activities this year that they will get hold of you. If you would like to get hold of Gavin and you didn't hear the numbers, please just contact Chai FM Studio. We'll give them to you. Gavin, thank you so much for being on the program. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
You will be coming on again, I know. I'd love to, yes. And I would like to just say that I'm dedicating the, a song now to, it's a tribute in solidarity to Australia, to all our Australian listeners. And, uh, I mean, what you're going through at the moment, the trauma of those fires is just too dreadful to see. And this song is called I Am, You Are, We Are Australian. And it's by Dami M, Jessica Mabar and the singers. I'll be back with you next week. Thank you.